He was uh, he was a scary man, if if I'm honest. Um, I can't I can't lie to you. I was uh, I, I and many others were absolutely petrified of him. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Thank you very much for tuning in, Michael McEwen here. Pleasure as ever to have your company wherever in the world you may be listening. Thank you for your time. I'm surprised he's joined us today, actually, ladies and gents. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor. Given that he's such a big shot these days with his, his Twitter blue tick. Good morning, <laughs> Mr. Ritchie. <laughs> okay, it's going to be like that. It's is going it? to be like that. Right, okay. So let's, let's Fire get, away. Let's get straight to it. I bought it. You bought it. What do you it? want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I did it because I knew you would hate it. That's a strange That's the, reason to spend money. But it's the money. first thing you bring up since we you've got a blue oh, tick. By the way, see, as soon as I saw it, I'm like straight to the top of the podcast yes, agenda. we'll be discussing so that. You are your blue tick verified. I should say it's it's not a blue tick. The tick it's a is white, white tick in a blue circle. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But you, you've you've bought it. You've given Elon Musk some of your money. That's yeah, that's a I, bold strategy. I've already unsubscribed. No way. Yeah, Have you yeah. really? Oh yeah, yeah. So I just I, I did it because I wanted to see what it was like, and partly I wanted to annoy you. You can and annoy worked. me without spending money. You get away with that. Yeah? Oh, no, I do that. Because <laughs> anyway. uh, you could. There's I read about it, and there's so many more things that you can do. Like you can edit tweets, and there's God knows you need that. You can. Uh, what's the Ponzi thing they talk about? You can content create and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's going quite interesting. And to be honest, I just it's also you know it's also dangerously easy to do you just click two buttons and that was it done i thought oh <laughs> i've got, then suddenly i've got a blue tick so just, it's how much a month 6.99 six seven pounds a month yeah, you yeah. are spending yeah, yeah on a blue tick yeah so i've cancelled it so it's gone now yeah well one of the also reasons is is that it's meant to get you less junk on twitter right and i found it to be the opposite because okay. My timeline was just filled with crap. And I don't like the way Twitter's gone. I thought that would change it because if anyone's noticed us on Twitter now, is that you get loads and loads of stuff now that I don't follow and I have not interacted with and you can't get rid of it. It's a bit like Instagram now. I thought, I don't like that. And supposedly the blue tick was going to clean up your White feet. White tick. White tick, whatever. You're one of those guys. Mm -hmm. You're really annoying. Mm -hmm. So I'd assumed the white tick in a blue circle would change all that, <laughs> but it didn't. So you got more spam, yes. more rubbish. I, well, they're not spam, but more rubbish, and there are more ads. And I think they've done it because if you're paying for it, then they obviously think, well, you've got the money to look at ads and then click through. And I thought, yeah, well, yeah, no. there's a strategy to it. I mean, they will they will see mugs a mile off and take their cash off. Yeah. And so, they, yeah, they, they this mug's you. unsubscribed. So your blue tick thing is now gone? No, it will be gone in the 1st of December. Because <laughs> <laughs> I paid for the month. <laughs> I was asked if I was going to get a, a tick of my own, if I was going to pay for it. And no, to be honest, no, not a chance. Because the way I see it, anyone who wants to follow me probably already is. And if anyone goes looking for me, it's not like there are lots of fake Michael McEwen yeah, golf yeah, accounts yeah. out there. So yeah, there's not a don't lot of really see the need. No. I always like to experiment in life, Michael. Well, I'm, I'm glad this particular experiment has gone well. And it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Extraordinary. And I believe the big time 
doesn't even stop there. You were you were walking to the football yesterday and you were recognised. That must that must. Yeah, I was nice. talking to a guy not yesterday. It was Saturday. Sorry, Saturday. Uh, shout out to Brian who said he recognised my voice. I thought my word. He said, and what was worrying? He said I had a. A very distinctive voice. So you were walking to the football, and what you just struck up a conversation. We're just with talking. We're just talking about your team, right? As you do, as we yeah. as we do. And um, he's, he just said, "I recognise my voice." And I thought, "No way." Usually, you're big time, and people are like, "Oh, it's Michael Kieran," but no, it was me. Yeah, what annoyed me was that he said you were quite good, which me, yeah, it pissed me off. Okay, so cheers, Brian. I was annoyed at that. So. There you go. Fame at last, Bryce. Fame at yep. last. You'll be on Strictly Come Dancing next year doing the Argentine tango. No, don't watch Strictly. Don't and I don't know what an missing. Argentine tango is. I'll take it you watch it. Yeah, it's a tango, but an Argentinian version. Oh, of right, I thought that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so it sounds like you've had a, a good weekend. I mean, not good for the ego, if nothing less. You know, yes. a, a wee blue tick that makes people think you're important. And, you know, then people recognising you. <laughs> Signing autograph. Have you been practicing your signature? No, I don't actually. I have. I don't actually have a signature. I don't have one. You don't need one. No, I don't need one. Just use my phone. <laughs> Did you used to practice your signature when you were at school? All the time. Yeah, yeah. And the that. one that I've got now is absolutely rotten. Yeah. It's hard to do much when you know your middle initials G and you've got two M's around yeah, it. My wife's got quite a cool signature. It's just like an. I shouldn't really say what it is, but it's like an H and then just a line. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous signature Like that? Pretty much, yeah That's two lines, one Oh, right, sorry Very strange That? Yes, pretty there much you go. like that So if you find her credit card I'm off to the bank <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a massive withdrawal, please Good weekend then for you Strange weekend in terms of sport Scotland losing against the All Blacks Not ideal Not what you want But that's nah, where we, we were, are We were quite good for a while And then... Um, I think it was about 24 minutes to go. We were winning and we are in their half. And then then we realised we were winning and in their half. Then we just lost. I think, how is that possible? <laughs> Every time they came forward, they scored pretty much, which says it all about Scottish rugby. Indeed. But football, that's the club season off now. The World Cup's coming up and we'll have more on that later in the show. Got a little uh, game for you again, Mr. Ritchie. Oh, for Christ's And sake. a special guest joining us after the break. Man United, Leeds, Sampdoria, Bradford, and he played eight times for England. Lee Sharp is going to be joining us. He's now a pro golfer, is Lee Sharp. I know. It's pretty yep. impressive. And he's got some rather nice clobber through Stromberg and American golf. We'll be talking more about that a little bit later on. But first, let's get into some of the main talking points over the past week or so. Rules. Let's start there. Everyone's oh, favourite subject. The most boring way to start a podcast. Hello, let's talk rules. about talk rules. About rules. But there we are. The RNA and USGA, they've announced changes to the rules of golf coming into effect on New Year's Day 2023. Five major alterations which are, quote, designed to help golfers at all levels of play. We'll see. So let's let's just run through some of these rules. I noticed that relief from divots isn't there. Okay, still clearly they are digging their heels in on that one. There are going to be modifications for players with disabilities. So the existing rules modified for players who require them due to a disability they may have. However, under the changes for 2023, the modifications are going to become rules in their own right. So rather than a modification to an existing rule, they're going to have their own set of rules, which seems broadly sensible given the rise of disability golf over the last couple of years. Yep. 
Handicap usage in stroke play, Bryce. Under the current rules, if you submit a physical scorecard and don't write your handicap, you'll be disqualified. I did not know that. Neither did I. It's tremendously exciting to now know that rule's changed. Yeah. So important, clearly. Yes. Uh, excuse me, but you play off 24 and you didn't say that in writing on your card, so well, you're that is, that, that <laughs> What? <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought the computer said it. But that is, the rules, is, as, a, as a general talking point in golf, rules, I find rules utterly hilarious. <laughs> like, you, I was at, I was there in 2003, uh, the Mark Rowe and Parnovic. Oh, yes, where horrible. They, they both played their rounds, like Mark Rowe was exceptional that day, I think. Yeah, brilliant. And into the scoring centre, and then they off they go, and bang, chaos. And I sat in on his press conference, and he genuinely, I thought he was moment, he was furious, but he was, I thought he was going to start crying. Heartbroken, wasn't he? You think this is actually, and you think about this is actually ridiculous. Like he did shoot that round. I know yeah. rules are rules, but he did shoot that round. He just wrote it on a different bit of paper. Yeah. Like, what's the big he, deal? He shot the score he shot. Uh-huh. So, he shot the score he said he shot. Uh-huh. And everyone saw that. So did the marker. It's not as if he wrote down a five when he had a six. You know, there's... Yeah, exactly. There's just, like... Uh, r- golf is... I know the rules are the rules and you've got to stick by the rules, but that is mental. I mean, that that's a hilarious one. You didn't write your handicap, so you're disqualified. But I just won by... 12 uh, what yeah, you, you is, know my handicap Dave yeah. but I actually didn't I didn't realise that I mean uh, how many times shocker, does that, how many times does that get applied applied yeah well, that's the thing that many. so apparently they're changing this rule because of the continued growth of score posting technology players are now no longer going to be penalised if they don't put their handicap in committees will be responsible for handicap accuracy that's how to improve it. Right. Hand it over to a committee. That'll make things <laughs> that's better. That, that's that sorted. <laughs> that's an interesting one. If a club is damaged during a round, you're now able to replace it, which currently isn't the case. Now, how, I'm, how I'm, can you? I don't get that either. What's the point of that rule? What are you going to do? Like, if you damage a, a club at the TPC, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can't. You can't replace it. There's no pro shop. This is the thing. Go I back don't to your car because to, this rule doesn't. That's got I to this be changed. Yeah, that's got to be a. a that's got to be for pro golf, that rule, really. Well, that's true. It's, I'm not going to run in, you know, a I'll mile just and a half. to the tour truck <laughs> in the main street but in Valfron. Do you not recall Bryson DeChambeau, at the height of all the Bryson noise, he was playing in an event and broke his driver on yeah, the first hole. Yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. But it got fixed for him. Does it not? I'm sure that someone took away his driver to the oh, no, truck was, and was that, the place. Was that not because he had... Was that not something to do with his, um, the way he'd set the driver up? And it wasn't set properly. But it's still a damaged club, so where do you draw the line? If the club's damaged, why is he allowed to replace it? Yeah. Unless I've got that totally wrong. But I mean, it, it, that, that it seems that's, like a sensible rule, because if you've damaged your putter, then why shouldn't you be allowed to change yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's got to be a rule for pro golf, because there's absolutely not... A, there isn't an amateur golfing in the country that's going to actually bother with that rule. Be great for pace of play on a Saturday medal, that wouldn't no. it? Were you off to uh, <laughs> shop? Just going to the shop to get a new putter? <laughs> Throw me in my wallet, would you? Another rule that's changed: ball moved by natural forces. So from January the first, if you drop, place, or replace your ball, and it then moves to another area of the course or out of bounds, it must be replaced. 
as another rule, I, it goes to show how much people know about rules, and I, I've criticised pro golfers for not knowing the rules, but I thought that rule was already in place. As did I. James, I, I, I just I, think, I think I've been doing that for the last think, five years. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole well, nonsense. At least I wrote of, my handicap on the yeah. scorecard. Eh? <laughs> I think the whole nonsense of placing balls and on the green, the ball wobbles. I've always thought that is just drivel. <laughs> yeah, just put the ball back. Exactly. It's not a big deal. Who cares? C- certainly at amateur level as well. I mean, you're talking just, what kind of a difference. And the last one, the back on the line procedure. Again, this is news to me. It's often used for penalty area or, or unplayable relief. Changes now, however, mean that players must drop their ball on the line and it must come to rest within a club length. Back on the line procedure, often used for penalty area or unplayable relief. So again, we're just somewhat tweaking. Is this not to do in relation to... Is it, did Cam Smith not have a dodgy think drop? So. Is it to do with that? I mean... I was just common sense. The big takeaway for me with these rule changes is, as I think we've alluded to, the absolute minefield that is the rules of golf. Yeah. I am. I know I'm joking about it, but I am absolutely certain that I break a rule probably once every couple of rounds, maybe more. Because, in fact, it possibly is once every round, if not more. Because I just simply don't know them all. The whole point of Changing the rules or the big changes they brought in was it 2016 was to make it more understandable, easy for people to apply, easy to understand, and just make the game, as they said right at the very outset, to help golfers at all levels of play. Yeah, I, I, it's too. They are too complicated now. Every time I play with somebody, and somebody says to me, "Do I get relief from that?" I, I, almost <laughs> every single time, I just say yes. Yeah. Even if you don't know, just take it. Who cares? I mean, let's except when it. the ball goes in the divot, that's interesting, Bryce. Well, that's part of the golf course. Oh, look at the panic on your face there when you realise you've just spat yourself the golf into course. a corner. It is not. Oh my god, this is embarrassing. You still ploughing this? Yep. Just because you're a chopper. No, because you I can't get out of a divot. I, I believe in making the game more appealing to more people, and if you play for the first time and you land in a divot. And someone says, oh, but you just have to hit it at that. But somebody else made that and it wasn't there for them. Ah, tough. Get on with it. Obi Seems Jones. a bit stupid. Obi Jones would hate you. I don't care. I probably would hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that then. Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas thinks the rule's a joke. So who, who's your, whose legend are you wanting to put up against one another? If you want to play Legend Divot Top Trumps, let's play that game, Bryce. Legend Divot Top Trumps? Yep. My Nicholas trumps your Bobby Jones. You never played top trumps? No. Okay, that's Jack's wrong. Whoa! Jack's been wrong about a few things. Yeah. Let's I, not go there. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's talk about Tiger. Let's move on. Tiger Woods is, I feel, how many times have we said this? Tiger's back. He's returning to our screens, if not necessarily the tour, playing three times between now and Christmas. So he's got the... Match with Rory, Jordan and Justin. Then he's got the Hero World Challenge, which of course is his own event. Rory, Jordan and Justin sounds like some sort of like... Sounds like NSYNC, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Sounds like Rory, Jordan, Justin. (laughs) On the one show. (laughs) Hi, guys. So he's playing in that match made for TV event, which, okay. Hero World Challenge, his own event in the Bahamas... 
tough life. Throwing himself into the 18-man field there. Get, probably get quite a lot of world ranking points. And then... It's only one event. He'll be playing in the PNC Championship with Charlie. Three times between now and Christmas, we're going to see him, Bryce. Two questions in one. What are you expecting and what are you hoping for when you see Tiger? Three wins. Three wins by five, six shots each <laughs> and a couple of 61s. Basically. So that's, that's the what, hope covered. That's it. That's the, That's what we're looking for. Expectations. I, <laughs> expectations. Uh, very surprising. answer to the hope. V- very surprising. That's a lot of golf in a short space of time. For a guy who's meant to be unable to play a lot of golf in a short space of time. Yeah, so he's clearly he's taken some time to get a bit better and he's obviously thinking he's capable of doing that. But one of those events, I'm pretty sure, or two of those events, he will probably be in a cart. Good point. So I suspect he'll be in a cart for the match mm-hmm. and he'll be in a cart for the PNC, PNC with uh, Charlie and he'll walk one of them. But from what we've seen of him lately, he's got a big limp. I still think, and as of course, every time we do this in the podcast, we make things up. Because, oh, yes. Because we have no idea what we're talking about. We are not doctors and we don't live in his house and have no idea what he's going through. But to me, he looks seriously. The last time I saw him, he looked very unwell. He's not coming to the Ryder Cup next year, supposedly. All these things make you think the guy's done. And this is fun time golf at the end of the year, which doesn't require any considerable stretch of his body or his mind. I'd be amazed if he plays more than three or four events by the end of July next year. Regular two yeah. events, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I expect him to play some of the majors, not all of them. I mean, he skipped a major this year. Yeah. Yep. That, that's, uh, uh, and he was meant to be, I mean, he's played. It's not as if he got an injury. He is injured and he skipped a major. That's completely unlike Tiger, we know. Mm. He's taken every opportunity that's come his way when he can to play, and now he's skipping them. Mm-hmm. So I think that says a lot. Are you surprised that he's playing in these, let's face it, essentially pointless events and not trying to test himself at a higher level? No, no. a prelude to yes, testing I think himself that, at a level? I think this might be it. I think if he's he's obviously putting himself... I mean, he's clearly, he's out caddying for Charlie, so he's able to walk and, and do bits, but it's not the same. You're not stretching yourself when you're playing. When you're not playing, you're just walking. So he's clearly able to do that. This is slightly different. It's like he's just given himself a bit more of a test. But honestly, we have no idea. Nobody has any idea. He's, his friends close to it, Justin Thomas and so on, say nothing. Which makes me think he's not where he wants to be because if he was, people would share that good news. People would talk about he's in a better place and no one says anything it's kind of sad to be honest to see Tiger playing in as I say meaningless events because he's now turning into that thing that we never thought he would be which is almost a a ceremonial come out and wave kind of figure I didn't think Tiger ever wanted that for himself and here he is doing it I know but I think he's almost his personality changed and Things changed when he chose to play in that match with Phil. That the was, first one. Yeah, yeah, that was an incredible change. I mean, those two, the guy has changed his personality. He's changed his competitive landscape and his personality. And it always happens when somebody's no longer as competitive as they were 
they just become a slightly different person. Mm -hmm. And people forget that his relationship with Phil was fractious. They did not get on with each other. Tiger genuinely did not like Phil Mickelson. Then there's a 180 and their best pals for a while. Yeah, and they're yeah. trading banter with each other yeah. and stuff. And the, the whole always, Twitter that thing always felt is, a little bit forced. Oh, and probably more for Phil's benefit uh, than Tiger's, yeah. to be honest. Well, absolutely. 100%. Look at Tiger now. He's going to be 47 on the 30th of December. He's inching closer to senior eligibility, which, of course, has an added bonus of a cart, if you so wish. Do you see him doing that? Do you see Tiger playing in Champions Tour events or no, senior majors? No, I don't think he'd want to lose to Bernard Lang every week. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Langer would wipe the floor with him. Well, you, I watched of, some of that Champions Tour yeah, at the yeah. weekend. We're, we're, we're kind of joking, but it's a there is a point to be made there. Does Tiger want to lose to, ah. with respect, Stephen Alker or whoever it oh. might be? He could lose some face because he's not physically capable of dominating, nah, even if I, it is old men he's dominating. I don't know. That's the thing. We don't. We don't know. What he's, what he's really capable of. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Tiger on the PG Tour is that it's tough. The course, some of the courses are not that hard. There'll be courses where it's an easy walk, but when he goes to Augusta, that's hard. Like, that's a walk. It's a. It's hillier than it looks on TV. Yeah, you, you, nobody knows that. Nobody realises. Nobody it. ever says it either. <laughs> and the greens are rapid. I mean, he knows how to play that golf course, but it's a hard. That's a, never mind a hard four days. That's a hard week. Yeah. And if your body's not where you are, you're screwed. I mean, and I just think he finds that so difficult. I think it takes so much out of him. Then the next is, uh, well, when's the, what's the next major after that? Is it the US PGA? PGA, PGA which he dumped. And then the US Open's brutal. You know, it, it's not it's not easy for Tiger. I, I, I do find it strange that, uh, no, I don't find no, it he, strange he played, because the sorry, easier... Sorry, he played the US PGA and dumped the US Open. Yeah, sorry, I've got that yeah. wrong way around. You'd think it would be easier for him to pitch up at a PGA Tour event because they're not as hard as majors, but he doesn't. I think that says it all. Yeah. So US PGA next year at Oak Hill and the US Open. Oh, remind me. US Open is at Los Angeles Country Club. Then you've got the Open at Royal Liverpool, where, of course, he won in 2006. Mm -hmm. Hmm... I can see, to be honest, thinking about it now, I could actually just see him playing the Masters in the Open next year. Yeah, I, I, I quite don't, possibly. I don't yeah. think we'll see a lot. No. But he's back, at least. And I, I think it's a good boost for the game as well, isn't it? This 100%. Point in time. Yeah, yeah. When Tiger plays, even if it is a meaningless listen, event, people watch. Listen, we said this, you know, shoulder season is boring. It's silly season events. But when the big guns turn up, you watch it. A few other storylines this week, Bryce, we'll just touch on quickly. Sergio Garcia appears to have let a cat out of the bag, so to speak. People may be walking the entire length of the, the stick to get to the wrong end, but we'll find out soon enough. He tweeted a picture from a charity day that he hosted in Austin, Texas, where, of course, he now lives, where a bunch of his live teammates showed up. Dustin Johnson, Jason Cockrack, Patrick Reed, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenson, Joaquin Neiman. Oh, and hello there, Mito Pereira in the back rows. He's been linked, Pereira, with Liv. And if that picture is in any way accurate or if there's anything to be taken from it, it looks like he may be going a blow to the PGA Tour to see him move on. 100%. I think now we're at the stage where any player that goes is a massive blow to the PGA Tour. You cannot deny that Liv has stepped up. There's just something about 
something about it that players are going to. I know the money is a, a huge ticket. I was going to say there's tens of millions of yeah, reasons why they're going. We're hearing all, all the stories of players who have turned down money and they might not be huge household names, but the money is significant that they're turned down to stay in the mm-hmm. PGA Tour. So that's a big deal. But I think any player that now leaves is a, is a huge loss to the PGA Tour. Because frankly, every player they lose is a player that they would rather have. We've yeah, said this before. Of course it would, is. Would they rather have Mito Pereira yeah. than not? I think people, I, I noticed this a little bit on social media at the weekend, people responding to that story saying, hardly a big deal. The guy's, is, the guy's the world number 49. Yeah. You know, he he was leading the, whole the US la- PGA until the 72nd hole this yeah. year. The whole landscape, the whole landscape has changed. We said this, you know, that the, these guys, you know, maybe the live players shouldn't play in the majors because they're, they're disrupting the grassroots of the pro tour scene and blah 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 now you would think however you whatever you stand on live you would want these guys playing in the majors see if they're not there's a massive hole at the masters yeah a massive hole at the open look at dubai it's not this week yeah not tremendous Mm -hmm. yeah it's Mm -hmm. not tremendous so that's this is the future this is where we are at the moment so i think any loss any player that jumps doesn't doesn't paint the pg tour in a very good light on the flip side Reports are that Xander Schofley, who's been heavily linked over the, well, for months, but particularly in the last few weeks. Story coming out of the States, Brian Wacker, friend of the pod, tweeting at the weekend that he it's his understanding that Xander's going nowhere, mm-hmm. at least in the interim. I've got no reason to doubt Brian as a source. No. Very well-connected guy. Very solid. Uh-huh. Give, give me him over use live facts any day of the week. That is, conversely, that is a blow to live to not get a guy like that, assuming he doesn't go and nothing changes, that's a bit of a, a kick in the teeth, is it not? I wouldn't say it was a kick in the teeth, but the, I mean, we're speculating again, but there has been chat for a long time. I know there's been chat about Xander leaving since early July. Mm-hmm. And I know some people behind the scenes that were concerned about where that was going to go. It's still not 100% confirmed that he's not going well he's not said the words himself yeah and if you remember if you watch patrick cantley's hilarious interview (laughs) about (laughs) whether he was going or not you think that was like you don't really know how to answer that question (laughs) which is clearly as well i haven't decided whether sander's going yet so i don't know (laughs) if i'm going yet (laughs) who was the guy who was the harps manager that had never been a manager before ian cathro ian cathro remember ian cathro's interview where he couldn't speak yes that was like Patrick Cantley. Yeah, it was, it was awkward to watch. Very awkward. We're going to be doing a review of the year in a couple of weeks' time, but I think we already know what car crash of the year is going yes, to be. I think so. Congratulations, Patrick. Uh, Stick that next to your FedEx uh, Cup trophy. Uh, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> and then every word he said, it's not like every sentence, every word was a mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Elsewhere, we had a 16-year-old winning on the Ladies' European Tour at the weekend, Kiara Noja. I apologise if I've got the surname pronunciation wrong. She won the Aramco Team Series Jeddah event, uh, beating her, this made me feel old, beating her childhood idol, Charlie Hull. Yeah, that's In my head, Charlie Hull is still but a teenager. I know. And there's someone beating her who says that she idolised her as a kid. We're getting, we're getting old. No. <laughs> but yeah, a 16-year-old winning Dubai-based high school senior. 
She's a professional golfer as well now, winning at Royal Greens Golf and Country Club, which if you listened last week, Bryce thinks is in Canada. Nonetheless, uh, impressive... <laughs> you just remembered. <laughs> yes, I just remembered yep. that. Nonetheless, an impressive win. Your thoughts on a 16-year-old winning a professional event? Oh, yeah, pretty impressive. Still beat a great field. <laughs> what can you say? 16? What were you doing when you were 16? I know exactly what I was doing You can probably 16. can't say when you were 16, but anyway. Uh, oh, phenomenal. Bryce. What? I was at school. I know you were. <laughs> I was at school. I'll tell you, I was working in a newsagent on Saturdays. I was a Saturday boy at the age of 15, and it was my job to bring in the massive stacks of newspapers at 7 in the morning and get them all set up in the shop. Back when newspapers on a Saturday were chunky, not so much anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. And I was absolutely obsessed with a girl that worked in the news and the news agents, the hairdressers three doors down. Really? Yeah. She wasn't obsessed with me. <laughs> no wonder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that creepy guy? Who's <laughs> that wee spotty weirdo next door in the shop that keeps stalking me on the way home? <laughs> she, she used to come in and buy cigarettes as well And for some reason that just made her hotter than my eyes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she's cool Yeah, Not anymore, smoking's bad, kids don't do it Anyway, my, my wife listens to this, let's move on Tony Fina, eh? Tony Fina And honestly, he's like two weeks late I know, I know you said You picked him for honestly, Podder Merit Was it two weeks ago when you were on a roll You said he was going to have a great year And then he didn't have a great week But now he's won for the, what is it, the third time in seven starts Honestly, pisses me off Cadence, Houston Open champion, Tony Finau. Obviously, easy to get carried away and excited here, but frankly, you started it a couple of weeks ago. Do you see Tony contending for majors next year? Of course. Year? Guy's got... Guy's got game, man. He's got everything. Tony Finau's... Got every, I also like his his temperament. Brilliant. It's whether he can keep it going. That That's... At that top level, you've got to be consistent, and that's what Scheffler was doing for the first four or five months of the year. But is that easy demeanour and just generally being a lovely bloke? All fake? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Jesus. A weakness? Christ. This isn't Good Morning Britain, Bryce. No, yeah, but basically... That's a terrible programme. Garbage. Absolute garbage. Why is, does Susanna Reid leave that for the, for the, from the BBC? Why did she join it from the yeah. BBC? I don't know. Money, Michael. That's why they all move places, Bryce. And that's why I've been at Bunkered for 18 years. Because <laughs> we don't have any Because nobody wants you. Because there's nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. Uh, yeah, look, so, <laughs> Fina, that, that whole thing of being a nice guy, easy, laid back. It, there's a bit of Ricky Fowleritis in there, though, isn't there? No, because Tony wins. Do, do people look at him and think, there's nothing to be scared of. No, I don't think so. I think he's got a bit of determination. I think he's just not. He is a nice guy. I mean, remember when he lost that? What was that? He lost. Oh, I can't remember the event. And he was so nice to the guy that beat him. I thought, Tony, just get upset. Just cry. But he's just, everyone's built different. The guy's a winner. Well, now he's highly. It took him so long I to know, get that second But win. he's highly respected on the tour. People know he's got game. And he, he's, a, he's a quality player. What's been the change in him? Why, the, why is he gone from not being able to win to now suddenly not being able to lose? Confidence. I think it's confidence. The same with Scheffler. Scheffler spent a long time without, well, long time in the pro game these days, mm. but without getting the win. Remember when he got his first win, it was just, ah, uh, the relief. Mm -hmm. And then the floodgates opened. It'll be like Rory next year, Michael, when he wins the Masters. Can't That'll wait. Be it. Cannot wait. 
Okay, well, look, as I mentioned earlier, the World Cup is getting underway this week. What's the first match? Qatar, Ecuador or something like that? Ecuador, Qatar, yeah, huge, absolutely <laughs> huge game. The Qatar- Can you name a player on either side? I was going to say something there and I better not. So the answer to that uh, is no. No, because I, I want to go to Qatar one day and I don't want to be shot when I arrive. Well, we had a, we had a, bit, of, uh, we had a bit of fun last week with the World Cup. And you had your, fun. Yeah, I certainly did. You had and, fun. and your knowledge of it. Uh-huh. I've got another little game for you this week. Great. Did you ever watch Play Your Cards Right with Bruce Forsyth back in the day? No, so let's move on to part two. So the, the higher or lower game? No. So it's very simple. They would turn a card and you had to guess whether the next card was higher or lower than the previous one. So right. let's say he turns over the three of spades. Where are you going to go with that? Higher or lower? Higher. Exactly. Because there's only two cards if you want to play aces low. It's going to be there. So yeah, yep. you, you, get, you get the format. So I figured that out. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have created this little game here which is called Play Your Scorecards Right. And... It has nothing to do with scorecards. It's just a great pun. Basically, I'm going to tell you the name of a country that's playing in the World Cup finals. And you have to tell me whether its total number of golf courses is higher or lower than the next country's. This is all based on the RNA's most recent Golf Around the World survey, fourth edition from 2021. So I'm going to start you off with, I think, quite an easy one. England. Higher <laughs> than what? <laughs> England have 2,213 golf courses slash facilities, according to that RNA survey. Two thousand actually more than 213. That, you want to tell the RNA you're, they're wrong? They you batter in. Wrong. Japan. Oh. Higher yes. or lower than England? Lower. Well, you failed straight away. Bollocks. It's higher. 3,140. I've never been. That's not fair. There are more registered golfers in Japan than there are people in Scotland. 5.8 million registered golfers in Japan and 5.45 something million people in Scotland. That's unbelievable. Thanks for telling me that now. Yep. So, under normal circumstances, you'd be out. Brucey would be saying, Ah, good game, good game, and then send you on your way. (laughs) But for the purposes of this, because I put some time and effort into it, let's just crack on, shall okay, we? Okay, let's go. So Japan... <laughs> you should have made the first mm, question easier. I know, I know. Uh, I just this game's not working I, out well I, I for you. I thought you knew more about yes, golf than you do. Yeah, yeah, that's Japan, 3,140. Oh, let's, pre- let's pretend that pretend, was a warm-up. Right, okay. I, hi, higher. No, Bryce. Higher than what? I was going to pretend I got the first question right. Oh, right, right, right. right. Okay, good, good, good. Keep yeah. up. So Germany... Higher or lower than Japan in terms of golf courses? Lower. Correct. 1,054. France. Higher or lower than Germany? Lower. Correct. 811. The French don't really play golf. It's not a big it's not a big sport in France. Denmark. Higher or lower than France? Your French number is 811. Denmark, higher or lower? Lower. Sure? Yep. 347. Correct. Try, you tried to mind me there. Yeah, I did. Argentina. Argentina. Higher or lower than Denmark? 
347 golf courses in Denmark, according to the RNA, are there more in Argentina or fewer? More or less? Lower. Wrong. Bollocks. 348. Ah, uh, yeah. Just. By how many? One. Sake. That's a trick question. It's not. It is there's, a trick there's no, question. There's no trick to it. That's trick. You're being smart. Just being a bit of a... Okay. On. <laughs> Brazil, higher or lower than Argentina? They're South American rivals. Lower. 126, you're right. Yep. Mexico, higher or lower than Brazil? Higher. Take, take your time. Think about it. Think it through. I'm 126 s- golf courses in Brazil. Yeah, I'm going to say higher. 256. Yep. Your last one. Mexico, 256 golf courses. Portugal, higher or lower? <gasps> oh, that's tricky. Uh, lower. Why have you suddenly found conviction? Because I think I know the number of golf courses in Portugal, and it's not that many. Care to hazard a guess at the number of golf courses? Well, I read something about the Algarve. I think, is there not something like, is it not something like 50-something golf courses, like 56 golf courses in the Algarve? Okay, but that's one region of and a then there's big the, country. The Lisbon area, but there's only a few areas where you play golf in Portugal, and Lisbon area is not as big than North Portugal, and I think there's about 30 there. And I think in the whole of Portugal, I think there's about 110 golf courses. 110 golf courses in the whole of Portugal. So you are saying lower than Mexico. What was Mexico? 256. Yes. Final answer, lower. Yes. Brace your spot on. I know. 110 golf courses. You said there's 109. See, I told you. Yeah. That's super bock. All of it clearly, clearly hasn't rotted your brain entirely. Super bock is the inspiration for a trip to Portugal. So there you go. I think you got two wrong. Admittedly, you got the first one wrong. Yeah. But then, what was it? It was Argentina. You did pretty well. I know I did pretty well. But Japan's a Japan's a crazy place for golf because it's it's so expensive in Japan. But then you realise everyone's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> but it is expensive. And in Germany, massive country in Germany, but golf's quite expensive in Germany. And the amount of women that play golf in Germany is almost double what they play in That's Britain. spot on. And do you know what the funny thing about Germany is that playing golf, they actually make it ridiculously hard uh-huh. for you because you have to yeah. sit exams if you're going to become a as a member of a golf club. And yeah. I'm sure if you're going to get handicapped, you then need to sit another exam. It's not easy to yeah. be a golf club member yeah, yeah. in Germany. But yeah, World Cup gets underway this week. 32 nations battling it out. We, of course... Have, is it have, Friday night? It starts. Um, Ecuador, Ecuador, Qatar. Qatar, yeah. We're nailing our colours to the mast of Ghana in yep. solidarity. Quality. I discovered this last week. There's, I don't know why I'm necessarily that surprised, but there's no golfer from Ghana with an official world golf ranking. None. <laughs> but they do have 3,000 registered golfers. Right. How many golf courses do you think they have? In Ghana. 12. Nearly. 16. 16. 3,000 golfers, 16 golf courses. We should really make it our mission to have a Ghanaian golfer in the next Olympics. 
Sponsored by us. Sponsored by us. So here's the challenge. If Find you, one. If you are from Ghana, if you're the listeners in Ghana and you play golf to, frankly, a decent level, okay? A decent like level. Like Michael's level. Yeah. Get in touch. I am not even kidding here. Yeah, yeah. Get in touch. Get into our DMs. Send us an email. Let us know all about you because we want to make your dreams come true. And when you get the gold medal, we'll share it. I could, I, I, I'm not kidding I've got genuine cool runnings vibes about this I would love love to be part of this so get in touch your prediction for the World Cup Mr Ritchie has it changed standing by France yeah I think France um, I've got a funny suspicion that I think Brazil will suddenly turn up because I think the last time when was the last time Brazil won the World Cup 2002 yeah They've not really been much since, and then they had one Morrow Cup where they were just a, an abomination. Surely they've got to turn up. They got to the semis of the one in 2014 in their own country, but remember the Germans battered How them. How they get humiliated, yeah, so. absolutely humiliated. So yeah. I know what it's like to see your team get battered 7-1, so yeah. You think Brazil might, might show up? Potentially, yeah. Okay. There will be more World Cup chat, by the way, over the next couple of weeks, because frankly it's the only thing happening... Apart from Christmas and apart from Strictly Come Dancing, but only one of those price lights. Anyway, as I say, we do have a special guest coming up after the break. Lee Sharp, very well-travelled former footballer who is now a professional golfer and he's got some incredible stories that he's going to share with us. Do not go anywhere. To create an iron that performs like nothing else, you need to build it like no one else has. So we constructed the new Rogue ST irons with a high-strength 450 AI face cup, doubled its tungsten weighting for optimal launch, and added even more urethane microspheres for exceptional feel and sound. Every aspect of Rogue ST has been precision-tuned to create our longest iron ever. The new Rogue ST irons from Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunker podcast in association with Callaway, Michael and Bryce here. Bunkered golf breaks. If you're a regular listener, you'll probably be aware Craig Stevenson's not been on the show for, for quite a while. We've not had a fallen out. Nothing like that. It's just he's rather busy because business is booming with bunkered golf breaks at the moment. So much so, in fact, that they're now in a position to offer a really quite enticing early booking offer for 2023. Basically, it's one in four go free. So four of you go on your travels. One of you is going to be going for nada. Absolutely fantastic offer. Lots of great golf courses in there as well. My suggestion, go to bunkeredgolfbreaks.co.uk or call 0141 212 for more details. The gang will sort you out. But certainly if you're planning a golf break for next year, I'd be starting there. Great value, great golf courses, and an absolutely awesome deal. Are you going away next year with your your clubs in tow, as they would say, Bryce? Yeah, we're trying to book a boys' golf break. I think we'll probably go to the Algarve. Well, we are going to do, was it Morocco? We'll go to Africa. But uh, not sure that's going to happen. I'd love to see you in Morocco. So would I. Yeah, just cutting about in the, the markets of Marrakesh. Yeah. Cutting about, <laughs> yeah. I'm not 19. Good golf courses Probably in Morocco. Amazing golf courses. Yeah. Phenomenal. The Asian tour was there just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I might have been as well had things not got in the way. Yes. Thanks for 
pile and work in my desk and making me unable to go and yeah. take a wee jolly. Yeah, probably Portugal, but the Algarve action. Love it. Just phenomenal. To be honest, I'll go anywhere. Anywhere in Scotland that you've got your eye on next year? I, I said, I've said I was going to play Trump in Aberdeen this year, but uh, you never, didn't. it never happened. I'd like to play Royal Troon again next year. You were meant to sort us out on Muirfield. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that nah, that's, that's a standing invite. Well, you didn't sort it, so we were meant to do that. And I would quite like to go to play Darnese. Yeah. Somewhere miles away and just have a laugh. Yeah, for those who don't know, Darnes, nine-hole golf course situated in the middle of nowhere in the mm. very northwest coast of Scotland. So drive as far as you can into the corner of the British mainland. There's the golf course. Yeah. It's stunning. Amazing. Do you have a look at that? Yeah, okay. Well, Bunkered Golf Breaks is probably as good a place as any to start your plans for, for holidays at home and abroad. Right then, as promised, Lee Sharp, we caught up with him, or rather I caught up with him a little bit earlier fantastic career Lee Sharp had covering time at Man United he obviously went to Italy and he played eight times for his country who are going for World Cup glory first time since 1966 it would be a World Cup victory for England so. is that right? Yeah. not won it since then not won it since then yeah. oh. they got to the semis last time got put you- out by Croatia they got to the final of Euro 2020 I guess in 2021 because of Covid Will they go one better this time around? Were you watching the Football Italia, whatever it was called, programme last night on the Italian 19? Phenomenal. Yeah, really so I good. think that was the final part of it, wasn't it? But some really... Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, there's like multiple parts. If you're talking about the same thing, then... Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, no, I... Yeah, I watched that last night. I thought that was just the start. I remember... I didn't get anybody else. I remember I brought this, brought this up with Lee as well. Watching him playing for Sampdoria in the Football Italia days, Gazetta Football Italia, yeah, with yeah, James yeah. Richardson sitting there with his coffee and reading the Gazetta dello Sport. Fantastic. Talking about Il Divino Cadino. Who's that? No idea. The Divine Ponytail, Roberto Baggio. Oh, brilliant. That's when the only football that you could get on TV was every Sunday on Channel 4. Yeah, they had a live game and it was from Italy. And that was the best league. Oh, Had brilliant. all the best players. George Weah. Yeah, amazing. So I've always said this, we watched that programme last night, it was about a good interview with Gaza and so on, mm-hmm. and um, it had, it showed some highlights in playing for England, like, look at Gaza's stuff when he was playing for Lazio. Unreal. Abs- look at, just go and watch the highlights of Gaza and the Lazio strip. Unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. Truly, truly phenomenal player. But... Yeah, Lee, obviously, there's not, it's funny, not many English players, not many British players at that time went over to Italy. I mean, yeah, David Platt did, Gaza did. Who was the guy? Paul Ince went to Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. Danny Dicchio also went mm-hmm. to Sampdoria, but, and Lee went there too, but it was kind of not really the done yeah. thing. So his, his insights and his take on what it was like playing over there, really, really good. Obviously under Sir Alex as well, some great stuff here. And... Why is he a professional golfer these days? We've covered all of that in this chat. Lee Sharp, welcome to the Bunkered Podcast. Thank you very much, Michael. Great to be here. Great to have you here. As I said, you know, you've... I think most people will be familiar with your your work that you did at Manchester United, which we'll we'll speak about in a little while. Obviously, that goal against Barcelona. I don't know how many times I've seen that. Unbelievable. But we'll we'll talk about that in a little minute. (laughs) I'll bet you've watched it a lot. But yeah, as as I mentioned there, you're... You're now obviously a professional golfer and it's really exciting because you've got this new clothing range out with Stromberg and American Golf. 
Tell us a little bit about that because I'm sure some people will be surprised when they see your name attached to these products and going, is that the same Lee Sharp? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite surprising to me as, as exciting it is. It's um, it, we, we sort of got in touch with American Golf a couple of years ago. Uh, it's actually taken a couple of years to, to come to fruition. Um, there's been a lot of to and fro with ideas and drawings and samples. And now we've come out with uh, this this brand new range, and it's very exciting, and, uh, and and I love it. It's fantastic. I suppose when you were at the height of your football career, you know, in the in the mid nineties, golf fashion wasn't really the the coolest thing going. You know, big baggy beige shirts and baggy beige trousers. Things have moved on a little bit, haven't they? They, they certainly have, haven't they? And uh, and I know some of it is very controversial as well to the to the traditionalists. Um, <laughs> we all we all like a hoodie these days, and, and that's. <laughs> A bit of a controversial uh, garment of clothing in the golf industry, um, but yeah, I mean, when when I started playing, I started playing when I got to Manchester United at seventeen, and I think it was uh, Pringle sweaters and checks and diamonds, and uh, but but I'm sort of caught between the two because I do like the traditional stuff. I, I used to love Payne Stewart wearing the plus fours, mm. um, so so I do like all that whole the old history, and I don't, I don't like to lose that, but. You have, to, you have to move with the times a little bit. That's it, exactly. I mean, there's something about nostalgia that I think everybody loves just now, don't they? That's why there's so many Facebook groups for things that were cool in the 80s and all that sort of stuff. People do like those throwback styles, but it's nice to see that golf is moving with the times, even if, as you say, some people are somewhat against hoodies, for example. I'm wearing a hoodie as we sit here right now. <laughs> but where do you stand on it? Are you for or against hoodies? Uh, well, I'm a bit of a hoodie wearer, so so I'm, I'm a pro hoodie man. Uh, I, I know um, you, you've got to be careful on a golf course. I think, I think it's important. I mean, it is a sport after all. You do need to look a little bit sporty, but I also think it's a, it's a smart sport. And uh, if you look the part, you certainly play a little bit better, or I find that anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. Look good, feel good, play good. That's a, that's a pretty good formula. So the the new range that you've got with Stromberg, it's available online and also in the Trafford and Leeds mega stores for anyone listening in, in that part of the country. And if they're wanting to find out which parts of the, the range are yours, well, it's pretty simple. The polo shirt has got a collar. It's designed to be worn up, which obviously you quite liked doing back in the day. I don't know if it was you or Eric Cantona that got there first. I'll, I'll let you claim the credit if you like. And it's also got a, a little logo of your famous goal celebration as well. So people are going to be able to tell straight away that's Lee Sharp stuff, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I would say so. It was uh, it, it was sort of a... When we were trying to think of, of, uh, of a logo, um, I sort of came up with that idea and then thought, are people going to think I'm trying to be Seve with, with his sort of logo and uh, <laughs> he's put in the end and, and I'm not trying to compete with Seve on one iota of, uh, of, of, of the scale. Um, but it was just, uh, I think it was just the, the, the celebration was, was quite memorable to me and, and, uh, and sort of a, a good part of, of what my career was about. I like to celebrate goals. I like to celebrate with the fans. I like to be part of the fans when, when I was playing. Uh, and, and that's why we went with it, really. And, and American Golf have done a, and Stromberg have done a fantastic job. They sure have. The stuff is fantastic. So I highly recommend that people go and check it out. You'll be, I think, uh, I think you'll have a, a a lot of orders flying out of the American Golf warehouse. Excellent. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, you're you're a, a professional golfer now as well, which may or may not catch some people by surprise. Tell us a little bit about the decision to turn professional and what your ambitions are. Uh, it was a it was a rushed. 
panicked decision. Uh, <laughs> All the best ones are. Um, it was well. I started. I started playing golf, like I said, when I got to Man United at seventeen. Um, dipped in and out of the game, but but fell in love with it. The, the manager, obviously Alex Ferguson, didn't like us playing too much because he thought it sapped energy out your legs. It could damage your back. He liked you to go home and sit on the right. sofa and watch TV to rest your legs. So so we used to have to sneak off and play golf at various courses away from Manchester. Um, and then when I retired, just just got more and more into it. Had more time to play, more time to practice. Um, and it was always it was it was sort of the back of my mind to be to get down to scratch your plus figures and to try and qualify for the Open was the main thing as an amateur. Um, and then I started playing as a low handicap amateur in some sort of pro and, and amateur events. And I rang up to 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 enter one of them one week, and, and the bloke says, "Listen, we've got we've got no amateurs this week, but if you pay a little bit extra, you can just play as a pro." So it was a sort of spur of the moment thing. Well, no, I'll go on. Why not? I'll, I'll play for a couple of quid and, and see how we get on. And obviously, that's me done as, as an amateur. So, uh, as far as as far as professional goes, listen, I, I know how good these guys are, um, and I'm a million miles away from it at the moment. But the journey and the process is is, is what I love about it. I love to practice. Um, I played in a tournament yesterday and, and was absolutely bricking myself. <laughs> Uh, and end up coming last, believe it or not. But uh, it, it just goes to show, you know, football's one thing where you can have a bad game and you pass it to your teammate, you've got 10 mates to help you out, whereas golf, it's it's you and you alone. And you, you do find out your weaknesses very quickly, uh, but, you, but you also know what you need to work on and, and where you need to improve. So, like I said, the, the journey's long. Uh, we'll see where we can get to as, as a pro. Obviously, the goal is the European Seniors Tour, now that I'm over 50. Um, but but like I said, I know, I know how good these guys are, and I know how good I've got to be. So it's a, it's a long road. So you said that you're you played an event yesterday. So to give listeners an idea, what what kind of level are you playing at just now? What are those events? Uh, it's like a mini tour event, a pro event over here in Spain uh, at, a, at a place called Escorpion, which is just by Valencia. Really old traditional course, lovely course. Um, and uh, I just hit it like a dog and um, and come last. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, but the good thing about that is there's only one, one way to go and that That's is up, it. isn't it that is exactly <laughs> it so you're based in Spain these days I mean my god you're surrounded by amazing golf courses where you are yeah I mean the, the, the weather's obviously fantastic it was part of the reason we moved over so I could spend more time on the on the practice ground and, and playing um, <clears throat> I was over in the UK last weekend and had a game of golf with my mates and it was it was a little bit chilly and a little bit muddy and I just thought, yes, yeah, so I've made the right decision to into the sunshine. So Couldn't wait um, to get back on the plane. Yeah, exactly. No, there's, some, there's some wonderful courses around here. And, and like I say, the the um, the climate is is really suitable for the game. So lots of practice. I'm off to the range after this interview, believe it or not. Oh, good man. So you're putting in the hours. Good for you. Good for you. I tell you, it's funny. I'm sitting here with sweaty palms and I realise that's because you said that you were basically defying Sir Alex Ferguson's orders and sneaking off to play golf. That <laughs> that makes me weirdly nervous. I mean, tell me, I, I, we're obviously based in Scotland, the Bunker podcast. Sir Alex Ferguson is, is Scottish sporting royalty, if not British sporting royalty. Give us an idea. What was he like? He was, uh, he was a scary man, if, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, I, can't, I can't lie to you. I, was, uh, I, I and many others were absolutely petrified of him. Uh, if, if we if we heard his voice coming down the corridor, we would we would dive into toilet cubicles or um, 
or around the corner just just to try and avoid just in case you you were the uh, you were the reason of his anger <laughs> um but now I've, I've had many a hairdryer and many a confrontation and he's a he's a scary man that's what he's best known for, isn't it? It's the hairdryer treatment. And again, if anyone's listening to this and they don't know what that is, that's clearly when he just loses it and screams and shouts and, and so on and so forth. David Beckham's got a scar, I believe, above his above his eye for <laughs> being on the receiving end of one of those. It was an accident. It was an accident, but yeah, he's got the scars. Oh, of course it was. Yes. Yeah. But tell us tell us what it's like to, to get it. What what is the hairdryer really like when you're on the receiving end? It, it, it's brutal because the I think it was Mark Hughes that christened it the hairdryer, but the thing is, he sort of walks around the dressing room giving giving certain players at certain times hair dryers, and he comes to within. You're sat on the on the bench, obviously, in the dressing room, and he comes stood over you, and leans sort of three or four inches away from your face with his fists clenched behind you, and his face is red and bulging with veins, and he's just shouting obscenities and, and abuse at you from three or four inches from your face, and obviously the hair dryer is because it just blows your hair over to over to one side <laughs> as he's yelling. Uh, it's 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 not a pleasant experience, but something that I think every player that's played under him has probably experienced uh, has, has gone through. It's the standards that he set, really, isn't it? I mean, kind of joking aside, he he set such high standards for every player that that came through the ranks. And it's funny now because you think of some of the guys, such as yourself, who've just been on the receiving end for that. But the one thing that strikes me is everybody has total respect for the man, even though he probably, well, as you put it, terrified you. Absolutely, the the, the man's a winner. Uh, he, he sort of demanded excellence. He got, he got the best out of everyone. He kept everyone on their toes. Uh, he was a workaholic. He, he worked harder than anybody anybody knew in, in football. Uh, and obviously, it brought him great success. He, he knew which players to buy and, and where to strengthen. He, he let players go from the club um, probably earlier than most people would expect to because you could, you could see what was happening a year or two down the line. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you, you you can't fault him as a manager. Did he ever catch you out when you were sneaking away to play golf? Uh, loads of times. Really? He, he caught me out on, on lots of occasions doing lots of things that he told me not to do. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Because you had that, what's the right word here, Lee? Reputation, I suppose. Everyone knows about the whole Spice Boys tag and all that sort of stuff, but everybody knew you like to have fun as well as be a professional footballer. So... You could see how that might put you on a collision course with uh, an authoritarian figure like Sir Alex. Yeah, totally. I, I think I think my thing was uh, I, I do love to play football. You know, I was never late for training. I was always one of the last to leave. I never sort of really broke any club rules like that. But um, I was also 19, 20, 21, sort of a, a young kid that wanted to be a young kid as well. And that's where we clashed. I thought I should be allowed to go and play golf and have a little bit of freedom. And he obviously... Didn't agree. <laughs> Didn't agree with me. <laughs> you mentioned there were others that sneaked off with you. So who were the good uh, golfers at, at Manchester United? Um, generally, who do you play golf with? I played a lot with uh, Gary Pallister. I played with Paul Ince when he was there. I played with uh, Clayton Blackmore, who's also turned pro and mm-hmm. trying to get on the seniors tour. Uh, Mark Hughes played a little bit. Dennis Irwin played. Um, trying to think who else played now. Uh, Giggsy, Giggsy was sort of into it a little bit, but not not so much at the time. I think he's more into it now. Scalzi has got mad into it now. He didn't play too much when I was there. So yeah, there was there was a few knocking around. It sounds like knocking, it. You, were, you were you were never short of takers for a game of golf. That's for sure. <laughs> what about Cantona? Did you ever see him with a club in his hands? No, Cantona, funnily enough, didn't didn't ever get into golf, which which surprised me a little bit because he was he was very he was very much a deep thinker and a philosopher philosophical man. So I thought. 
you know, the thoughtfulness of golf and uh, the mind games he plays. And, you know, I thought he might have, might have took to it, but uh, no, not quite his game. There's still time. After Man United, you, you moved to Leeds United, but you also had a spell at, at Sampdoria. And the reason that stands out for me, it was, it was a short spell, obviously, but the reason that stands out is because of Gazetta Football Italia and, you know, Channel 4 at that time. It was really the only place that you could watch football live in the UK back in the, the four-channel days. That's right. And there was this sort of cult phenomena that built around Italian football at that time, certainly watching it as a, as a British person. What was that like? Because that was really the 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 prime years for Serie A, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was a little bit of a, a mixed experience for me, I suppose. Uh, I went over there on loan from Leeds. I'd just come back from, or not long come back from my cruciate knee injury. So I'd been out for a year. I'd not played a lot at Leeds the first half of the season. And David Platt was manager over there who had played with for England. So, so he took me over. Sampdoria were in a relegation battle at the time. The fans weren't very keen on David Platt himself because he was English and, and didn't have any coaching badges. They'd just got rid of Spalletti, who, who went on to be Roma manager and, and a very successful manager. So, so it was very difficult. I only played a handful of games over there because I was still sort of working on my fitness and working on building muscles up after the operation. Uh, but the atmospheres that, that I played in were electric. Uh, it was always intense. It was a fantastic place to be. And, and, I, and I lived in a gorgeous spot, a little town, little village called Nervi, just outside Genoa, which is absolutely stunning. So, yeah, it was a, a pleasant but an unpleasant, just because David Platt didn't last long. I think he got sacked after a month and had to go home. And then Spalletti, who they'd sacked before him, came back to the club and just sort of said to me, listen, I, I don't really know you. You're David Platt's man. I've got my players here from from before and uh, you won't be playing a lot. So so I only had, I, I should have stayed to the end of the season, but at the time the, the transfer deadline was mid or end of March. Uh, and when I found out I wasn't going to play, I sort of put the feelers out to try and get back in, in back into the UK. Yeah, so you ended up there at Bradford, you just built Portsmouth, Extra City. You also went, This is I didn't realise this until I looked it up, you went to Iceland briefly. I did. What was that like? Uh, it was it was bizarre. I mean, Iceland's such a beautiful spot. The Icelandics are amazing people. I didn't even know they played football over there. I just thought it was cold <laughs> all year round. And, but no, they, they have sort of a, a six-month season during the summer. Uh, it's very high intensity. Uh, you play a lot of games in, in a short space of time because of weather conditions, obviously. But no, it was it was it was an experience. Let me let me say that it was uh, it was an experience. Yeah, never mind never mind football. They've got great golf courses over there too. Yeah, I managed to get a couple of games of golfing while I was over there. So yeah, it was it's it's a great place to visit. I absolutely love Iceland, and, and Reykjavik is is an unbelievable city. Eight caps for England as well. Now it's good timing, I suppose, having you on the show this week with the World Cup coming up. Tell me what what is it like as someone who's never going to represent Scotland? What is it like to represent your country and walk out at say Wembley and to 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 hear the passion of the fans and to have that badge on your chest? What, uh, that must be the best feeling. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. It, it's something that's very difficult to explain. I mean, I mean, you say the goose pimples stand up on the back of your neck and it, it's a little bit surreal walk, walking out at Wembley um, with, with an England shirt on and, and 80,000 fans going absolutely mental. It, it really is. It, it's the pinnacle of anybody's career to play for the country. And um, I, I think at the time, part of me was too young to understand what I was actually achieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and with players like John Barnes and Chris Waddle in the squad, who were two of my heroes, I probably felt a little bit overawed and, and inadequate in in at times, but uh, an unbelievable experience. And 
something that obviously I'll, will live with me forever. And the, the goose pimples, when I think about it now, I still get them on the back of my neck. To be fair, it's, it's amazing. I mean, obviously you get the, the caps as well. Do you, do you still have those, the actual physical caps that you're presented with? Are they somewhere special? Yeah, well, they're not, they're not somewhere special. They're actually in uh, in my mate's loft in an IKEA bag. What? Fair, with, with all the rest of yeah, with all the, the rest of the medals and, <laughs> and stuff I've won. It's, uh, hang on, it's, yeah, hang it's on. A bizarre situation. That that cannot be right. So you won the Premier League what three times? The FA yeah. Cup twice, the League Cup once. Yeah. You've won the European Cup Winners' Cup, and you've got eight caps, and they're all in an IKEA bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, tremendous. Know, yeah. So there's a lot of pressure and expectation that goes with representing England as well, though, isn't there? And we're about to see that again, I'm pretty sure, in the next month or so. What's your take on all that? Do do people maybe put too much pressure on the side and that kind of suffocates you? It makes it harder to perform? I think think there is a lot of pressure with England. I think that's just because we expect, because we know we've got really good players and talented players. I think um, I also think that as a player no one really puts any more pressure on you than, than yourself. Mm. I think everybody, everybody's very critical of themselves when they're, when they're a footballer. Everybody's aware of the pressure that you, you put yourself under, never mind the fans. I, I also think the press don't help because they generally send out some weird, dodgy story just before the World Cup comes up. So mm. it, it sort of adds, adds a little bit more intensity to it. Uh, ho- hopefully this year the press will get behind everyone. And, and show the support and show how much the fans are behind everyone and, and supporting the team and England could go because I do really think we've got a really good chance and I think we've got some unbelievable players especially in the attacking areas so if we can go out and be nice and positive and, and, and score goals I think we've got a great chance of getting quite far in it Yeah because you got to the semis last time and since then you've reached the final of the Euros just missing out on penalties I've got to ask and I, I kind of hate myself for asking this but is it coming home this year? <laughs> Well, we we keep saying that and it never does. So yeah. I think I might say no this year with the, with the hope that it's sort of or reverse psychology. Does, it does, yeah, or a bit of reverse psychology. Yeah, I think I think this year that I, I do fancy the chances to do really well, um, and, and I think they may go a little bit under the radar as, as far as favourites to win it. Uh, you know, you've got Brazil, Argentina, Belgium are strong, France, uh, Spain are obviously decent. So. Uh, I think with us with us not being one of the particularly sort of top three, top four favourites, I think we might uh, we might do better from it. We'll see. We will see. 1966 is an awful long time ago now, Lee. As uh, you don't need me to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask you about one of the highlights of your career. I'm sure I alluded to it earlier that goal against Barcelona, which frankly was completely outrageous for those who don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. After you've listened to this, jump onto YouTube, type in Lee Sharp goal, Barcelona into YouTube. It's sublime. I mean, good ball in, but then the flick, the sort of back heel flick that you put on it at Old Trafford. What an unbelievable goal. Talk us through what happened there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it's my favourite goal I scored because of the occasion. Man United had never been beaten at home in Europe. We went 1-0 up. Barcelona came out and and sort of battered us the second half. We went 2-1 down. And then I think Inti wins, wins a great tackle in midfield and, uh, and puts it out wide. And, and Keeney squares it to me. And, and because it's coming across the box on my right foot, I'm thinking, just hit the target, just hit the target, just swing it and just hit the target. <laughs> and, and, and as the ball, so it's, it's not coming fast. It's coming with a little bit of pace, but not too fast. And as it's getting closer, the defender's obviously thinking he's just going to swing his right foot at it. So he slides early to block the shot. And in which case, I, I think, oh, 
I can't now hit it because it's going to hit him. So I sort of let it run through my legs and just touch it with with my right foot and uh, it, it nestles in the bottom corner and the, the place erupts and goes absolutely mental. And it was it was phenomenal, a phenomenal feeling, uh, a goal I still remember to this day. And I, I, I still think that it was a, a bad ball by Keeney because he put it slightly <laughs> behind me, but... I don't I tell him that, him that at the time. No. The funny <laughs> no, thing is, if you, if you see the celebration afterwards, Roy Keane is smiling from ear to ear. You may be the first and only person in history to achieve that. No, let me let me tell you, Keeney was one of the funniest men ever in the really? room. And, and I knocked, yeah, I, I knocked around with Keeney. I sat next to him in the training ground. You know, we had such a good time in at, at that club when he was there. We we just laughed and giggled constantly. Not so much when we were on the pitch training because yeah. he was a very tough taskmaster and very aggressive in the way that he played and, and wanted the best out of himself and, and everyone, but in the dressing room and off the pitch, one of the funniest men I've ever I've ever knocked around with. Interesting. So is this sort of persona of the, the gruff, doer, hard-to-please taskmaster, is, is that not is that maybe a little bit for show, a little bit for the cameras, do you think? No, I, I, I don't think. I think it's definitely him, but, but I, I think it's a side of him. I think mm. it's a side when it comes to, when it comes to his trade, and competition and wanting to do the best and wanting to do the best. I think that's definitely the side, you know, he, he doesn't suffer fools. Mm. He wants everyone to to be on top of the game every minute of training, every minute of games. Uh, and he just wants to win. But, mm. but off the field, he certainly likes to, to have a giggle, to have a laugh, to take the mickey out of people. And he's, you know, he's so quick-witted, he's so sharp. Um, he's, he's a joy to be around. And what a player he was at his pomp as well. Unbelievable. I have to ask, what did Sir Alex say to you in the dressing room after you scored that goal? Uh, nothing, he just tapped us all on the head and said, well played. Uh, <laughs> no hairdryer that day? No, there's, there was no hairdryer, there was no real congratulations, you've just scored a, an amazing goal and, and saved the home record. It was just like, well done, tap on the head, next game. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're glad that he's not in charge of you now you're playing golf. Oh God, I couldn't have him in charge of me while I, while I played golf. He'd, but the, I'm I'm already nervous on the first yeah. tee without him stood over me. Certainly, if I, it's a bad shot, he's going to nail me. Can you imagine Sir Alex as your caddy? Jeez. Good. No. 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 No chance. No chance. No. That that would that wouldn't work. <laughs> it would be a short-lived relationship, I suspect, and I'm sure he'd want more <laughs> than ten percent too. No doubt about that. Oh yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt. So now it is all focus on golf. Just to to wrap up there now, then so. Obviously, you mentioned that the, the senior tour is, is the target now that you're eligible for it. What sort of timeline are you putting on it? Are you just prepared to just let it happen and, and see where things go? No, I, I've not necessarily put a timeline on it at the moment. Uh, my my competitive career at golf is is really, really infantile. So I'm still getting used to playing in pro competitions with, with a scorecard in my hand with other pros that know what they're doing. I'm still trying to find my way around, trying to get myself comfortable being in that situation uh, and, and under those circumstances. So just trying to play in as many comps as I can to get them under my belt and to get used to the circumstances and, and we'll go from there. So um, who knows? Do you ever get other players in the first team when you're, you're shaking hands, introducing yourself, never go, wait a minute? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few to be fair because obviously we, we're in Spain and, and the mainly Spanish tournaments are playing. Uh, so a few of the lads are Spanish. Uh, they, they obviously don't know me from Adam and have no idea, which I quite like about it. <laughs> That's quite fair. good. I, I'm going incognito. But there's there's always a few Brits knocking around on the range and, and like, oh, it is you. It is, oh, we didn't know it was you. It is you. It is, <laughs> is it really you? I'm like, yeah, 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 it is. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good for you. Well, well, Lee, look, all the very best with it. We hope you, you achieve your goals. I'm sure that you will. I mean, you managed to achieve your football goals. Why shouldn't you achieve your golfing ones as well? So the very best of luck with that. And congratulations again on this range with American Golf and Stromberg. It really is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend that you guys listening go and check it out and, and maybe treat yourself. But anyway, Lee, thank you so much for joining the Bunker Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Brilliant, Michael. Thanks for your time. Big thanks to Lee Sharp for his time. What an absolute gentleman. Yeah, interesting to, to think that England are going for World Cup glory. How do you feel about that, Bryce? Let's let's just cut right through it, but obviously we're Scottish. How would you feel if they won the World Cup? <laughs> let's do pod in a minute. <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> that no, tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, you always think the Scots hate the English and so on, and, and, and likewise. I don't think we do. No, I think that's not really the case. I can't like a lot of the English players. I don't really dislike any of the English team. Is it just the noise that really, goes with yeah, it's the, the baggage? Press nonsense. Yeah. It's, the, it's actually the tabloid football press yeah, that really yeah. really gets my goat. I can't really stand that. Well, I like some of the players, and I quite like Gareth Southgate. Yeah, seems like a nice bloke, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I don't dislike him, but they've got. I'm not sure they'll do that well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll not see sure how far they go. Well. And Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously Lee talking there about playing under him. Bit of a legend. We we have a soft spot for Sir Alex, don't we? Who doesn't? Yeah. An absolute legend. Unbelievable. He's very proud to be Scottish Price. Very, very proud. Incredible, incredible managerial career he had. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the podder of merit because I have been excited about this. Last week, Ned Bank Golf Challenge, we went into it with me having a 9-8 lead over Bryce. What a weekend. I bet you weren't excited at about 1 o'clock in Saturday oh, afternoon. Oh, God, no. I was worried. I Bryce, you chose Rasmus Hoygaard, I chose Ryan Fox, and they had... Well, they don't know it. They have no idea, unless they listen, maybe they do. Hello, lads. But they have no way of knowing that they were having a ding-dong battle on our behalf uh-huh. out there in South Africa. And he had a three-shot lead over you. Hoygaard, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. three-shot lead. And then, and he <laughs> said, on? he said he was very confident on Saturday afternoon. He said he was quite confident about Sunday. And then he, yeah, and that was that. Indeed, that was that. Rasmus Hoygaard finished ultimately in a tie for eighth. Ryan Fox chasing down the race to Dubai title, finished second behind the Tommy Fleetwood defending champion. Good to see Tommy winning again. Yeah, absolutely. Nice man. So, yeah, Bryce, you lose. Yeah. Bryce I'm, eight, Michael ten. I genuinely thought on Saturday, about, as you will know, about half one on Saturday afternoon, I thought, this is going to be one of the greatest weekends ever. <laughs> and then he he just sort of ruined it. How do you feel? That's that you're now losing in the series overall four one. Yeah, it's not it's not going great. And I'm a bit disappointed. Although I do think before we start the next one, we need to get a few rules changes. Well, so yeah, it's a cooling off period before we uh, get excited. Well, I was going to say, I don't think we should have any counting events. It's silly season in the tour, so let's have silly season here. We'll make picks for this week, but then after that, let's start afresh in 2023 when we've had sure. the opportunity to get a committee meeting together and yeah. discuss the rule changes. I think so, implement. because we're going to know that you're going to pick Rory and I'm going to pick John Ram. so what's the point? This week? How do yeah. you know that? I've not shown my cards yet. All right, okay. So who are you going to pick? We'll get to that in a second. Okay. 
We had some interesting suggestions for forfeits. Because I see you trying to gloss over that, Bryce. I see you. Someone suggesting that the loser should be made to wear a white belt until such times as the next Podder of Merit season concludes. No, I refuse to play in a white belt. I'm not doing that. Alternatively, iron head covers must be used. <laughs> no. Somebody might see me. <laughs> <laughs> and as we mentioned at the top of the show, you're big time and famous now, so somebody will see you yeah. and your reputation will be ruined. I don't, I don't like that. There will be consequences. I've yet to decide because it's yeah, my game I and think, I'll choose. I think, well, it's our game. My. We'll choose. I think this needs uh, a proper, concise meeting in the boardroom about how to move this hugely significant contest forward. Yeah, and it is significant. There were people tweeting us over the weekend, genuinely. There I were know. people tweeting us saying, are you feeling your nervous? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine, mate. No, you weren't. You were nervous. So... so We'll move on. Let's let's throw this out to the readers again. Readers? If you can read a podcast, you're doing well. Let's throw it out to the listeners. If you have any suggestions on how to improve the positive of merit, get in touch. The committee will be convened later this week. So let's hear your thoughts on how we're going to improve it and what the forfeit should be for Bryce. Right then. DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. The European Tour DP World Tour season comes to a close this week. As it does in the LPGA, the CME Group Tour Championship also taking place. And we have the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour. Bryce, RSM, what do you know about them? It's got to be banking. Pretty close. Accountancy. Yeah, banking. Uh, we need more, we, 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 I think we need a bit more exciting sponsors. Just yeah, generally. like Wendy's. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. McDonald's used to sponsor a, a major in the LPGA. Yeah, that's right. McDonald's. The McDonald's was the shop, right, or something? Yeah, I think a Tiger not won the McDonald's sponsored event early in his career. There's a picture of him standing next to Ronald McDonald for yeah. sure. And then Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so one in Disney. It was his first event, wasn't it? Was it Disney in Vegas? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, we need more exciting sponsors. Accountancy is just boring. Yeah, if the PGA Tour wants to win the battle with Liv, it really needs to get yeah, because yeah. they're going to get like you know red so, Red Bull and things yeah. like that, and we're, banks know. and accountancy firms. Yeah, okay, they've got money, yeah. but come on. lawyers. Anyway, we know what DP World is, or at least no, we don't. Yeah, we do. Dubai yeah. Ports, it's a, yeah, it's a shipping Log- and logis- haulage. Yeah, logistics. logistics. You know, so yeah, we do know what they are. Yeah, but what did they do? You know, logistics, shipping, shipping, Dubai Ports. <laughs> they, they run it. <laughs> you keep saying ports. Yeah, but what is it? It's ports now. It's ports. A whole company on ports. And strategy. Strategy. Strategy for logistics. Yeah. All oh, right. That sounds like management speak, David. No, no, like that. that. So let's go to picks then for the Dubai uh, Ports so Tour World Championship. <laughs> it is. Well, it is my honour. Wait a minute. Thinking. Wait a minute. Is that what it stands for? Dubai Ports? Yes. Didn't know that. You must be kidding me. Did on. not know that. DP means something else in my world, but anyway. <laughs> Who are you picking? Rory McIlroy. <laughs> I pick John Ram. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I should choose Rory because I'm hesitating somewhat because yeah. Ryan Fox is playing well. Oh, he's fantastic. I think you should pick him. Mm. Pick him. Go on. Pick him. Picking Rory. Brilliant. Pick and you're Ram. choosing John Ram. Yeah. Very good. Well, there you go, ladies and gents. 
put your money on one of those guys and you'll, you know, maybe make a couple of quid. Honesty box to finish up. By the way, we will put more effort into our picks next year. That is part of the deal. Yeah, okay, that's I know. We're that's, aware. We need, then, yes, we know. We'll 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 take it a little bit more. Oh, I'm taking it very seriously. I take it seriously and I get gubbed. <laughs> Honesty box, Bryce, to finish up. Best food you've ever had at a golf club. Well, the the last food I had at a golf club was Dunbarney, and that was a bacon and egg and haggis roll. A tripler. It, it was tripler and it was sensational. Any sauce on that? No, I don't think I did. Just I a wee runny yolk yeah, to I give don't, you the sauce and the moisture. I don't. I don't. <laughs> the slitter. I don't <laughs> like. Uh, I don't take. I don't like my egg or my bacon interrupted with a sauce. But if it's a sausage, then yes. What kind of sauce? On a sausage, brown. Good. Can't stand ketchup. I genuinely, genuinely cannot stand ketchup. What is it with you and food? You don't like anything. Well, there's a lot of things I'm allergic to, but I'm oh, allergic. Aye, aye, aye. I genuinely don't like ketchup. If someone puts ketchup in front of me, I'm like, get that gone. No. And the thing is, see, in Glasgow, Everything. I think it's Glasgow, people prefer to as red sauce. Red sauce? No, I don't What kind of sauce do you want? Brown red or sauce. red? Red sauce. <laughs> red sauce to me is hot sauce. Now, yeah. I like hot sauce. Yeah. But I absolutely cannot stand ketchup. It's just... I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to remember. The, the bacon roll at Kilmarnock Barassi is very good. Right. I'm trying to think where else. The... Macaroni Augusta is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was just that's rude. I'm sorry, but it is really good. And the macaroni at King's Barnes is good. Do I think where else have been? Of course, you don't. The shout out to the what do you call it? The scampi at Braid Hills driving range. Oh, really? Fan. Fantastic. Now I like a bit of scampi now you're scampi. talking Fantastic But shove your tartar sauce I hate that No I'm not a huge fan More of a mayonnaise in my scampi <laughs> Don't uh, like And the scampi at Glasgow Golf Club uh, The last time I sat in there With a jacket that was three times too small for me Oh yeah. Yes <laughs> right yeah Oh do tell Yeah I get called out for not wearing a jacket. Now, you were there, you were meeting the late, the, great Arthur Montford, our, weren't you? Uh, the late, great Arthur Montford, and we were having our content meeting, and we were in the, and I knew when I turned up that I could see Arthur's face. I was like, oh, there's been a stramash. <laughs> You're not wearing a jacket, Bryce. Disaster for Richie. Oh, no, and I sat down, I could see in his face, he was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was a member mentioned it to the waitress that I wasn't wearing a jacket. They were the only other people the in the room. The only other people they? in the room and she came up to me and said, I'm sorry, sir, you're not wearing a jacket. And I just said, I don't have one. She said, I'll need to go and get you one. I was like, no problem at all. Good luck finding a jacket for somebody who's got two inch long extra arms and is six foot four. So she goes to the pro shop. I think the pro was about five foot two, like you. <laughs> and he brings out this jacket. And it's like, uh, it was one of those, it was Navy blue, of course, with like brass buttons, oh, and it was a double pleat. Lovely. So it was just, it was awful. I Presumably mean, used to belong to Brigadier Brewer. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, you wouldn't put a fire out with this thing. Was, oh my god! <laughs> and uh, I put the, I put this jacket on, and it just, it honestly came up just below my elbows. And I thought, you know what? I'm wearing this <laughs> just to prove up. I'm going to wear this to just show how stupid this rule is that you can't come in here without a jacket so I wore that and I had to walk through the restaurant we were finished and then into if anyone remembers the old clubhouse before it burnt down when you were in the front door and you went left it was like the gentleman yes well everyone's a gentleman room in that club 
and uh, in there and it was just lots of old men just hello and I went into a wee room at the back right which was even more hello and I had to sit in there and wear this jacket <laughs> <laughs> and when I left I said there you go Arthur I'll just give you that jacket back you can back to the pro and uh, I left and I felt like a complete plonker how did Arthur react? Because he didn't care. Yeah, he's, he's, oh, he was one of the nicest men I've ever met. He was, and I think he just felt sorry for me having to sit there looking like a complete idiot. But the scampy made up for it. Could really. you reach it with your dinosaur <laughs> arms? With my that? Jordan Pickford <laughs> arms. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me a chip, Arthur. You just see, like, struggling. <laughs> can't reach my mouth, <laughs> but it smells so good. Yeah, no, it's good. Other good scran, I can't think. Well, I'll tell you mine if you like. Right, go for it. Close house in Northumberland. Right. I went there a few years ago and the food in there, people, I, I think, you know, people think of close house, they might have a preconceived notion that, oh, it's maybe a bit funny daddy and so on. It's all really modern, brand new buildings, brand new golf courses, obviously. And the food in the clubhouse was unbelievable. The thing that stands out was the pork crackling that they made. Nice with this homemade apple sauce that was spicy as well, a little bit of spice through it. In the words of Greg Wallace of MasterChef, Whoa! <laughs> <Nailed> that! <laughs> time up! Time up! Place it now! <laughs> it was... Uh, he, he pisses me off, by the way. Yeah. Him critiquing food? He's a grocer, for God's sake. I, I can't be bothered with competition TV. But you'll watch competition sports. What a contradiction well, that's because it's you are. sport. Cooking's just cooking. I wish they'd just show you how to cook. It's like, I like Rick Stein. I watch everything to do with Rick Stein, but then he goes off in these like missions into mosques and weird churches and he's on a beach for half an hour. I'm like, just show me how to make a fish curry. Yeah. I don't need the history of the country. Some of it's quite nice because then you hear all about where it's... Yeah, nah, but you whatever. just want to be fed. I know. But Close House, Royal Lytham, sensational food. Royal Lytham oh, is good food. Oh my word, yeah. what a shout that is. And Royal Lytham. Lamb and mint soup yes. I had there was the greatest Very soup nice. I've ever had. And that's another club where you think Royal Lytham's going to be, hello. <laughs> it's just not. I like a burgundy chinos. But they're not like that. <laughs> it's the total opposite when you go in Royal Lytham. They're the nicest people Their in the world. Their secretary, Charles Grimley. What a top guy he is. Yeah. Totally not what you would think. A and of a golf obviously, like that would be. I didn't get to have the food this year, but the food at Muirfield is outrageous. I haven't had it yet either. It's amazing. Genuinely, the spread is unreal. And they're mega friendly as well. It's not what you think. What are the catering mistakes golf clubs make? Don't know, but I do know catering is a... It's a funny one, isn't it? Very Because it costs golf clubs a lot of money. I know of one club, I'm not going to mention them, who is having a nightmare with a caterer catering company and they can't they literally cannot get out of the deal and it's really hurting the golf club but what do you do it's mm. very difficult you do wonder whether i've always wondered why they don't have like mcdonald's franchises yeah golf clubs. A subway. <laughs> yeah something like that but that's not really how it should go should it is Shouldn't it not really be commercialized to that extent well if you can do that why can't you get a caterer but then some clubs also, I wonder whether you need catering to that extent, you know. Some people just want to play the golf and go, don't they? Yeah, Balfron's a bit like that. Mm. It doesn't have a catering or anything like that. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. Actually, you've just reminded me, now, not, to be honest, hardly anyone's ever going to get to play there because tea times are tight, but up at Skibo, oh. Carnegie Club. Oh, so yeah. we, we, we drop in there. we thud. Yeah, yeah. We thud. A, a thud. I dropped a pencil to make a thud noise. That didn't what did you get there? there? Was it cooked swan or something? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, again, very modern. But I had my wife with me, 
and uh, she ordered a pizza. Yeah, yeah. They have a pizza oven in there that cost them thirty five thousand, I think it was thirty five thousand pounds. That was brand new, and it cooks your pizza from raw to ready in under four minutes. Must be hot. Well, I it's clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that another place you're just teasing me about and you're not going to get me an invite? I'll try. Do, do try. <laughs> try harder. Like, like you need it with your blue tick. Keep that a few months longer and you might go somewhere. No, try harder. Anyway, let us know your best food at golf clubs or catering disasters as well. They're always a good laugh. If it involves ketchup, leave me out. Yeah. I, honestly, I can't actually express my hatred for ketchup enough. No. Do you like ketchup? I don't really, I don't really have ketchup with anything. So I can't time. think. My wee boy has it with everything. You know, Weetabix, the whole lot. Yeah, give me salt and vinegar on my chips. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I don't need sauce necessarily. If it's going to be sauce, it's going to be a little bit of brown sauce. But on chips, brown sauce and chips. No, at the side, just to dip in. On another thing, this is a really, really important thing that grinds my gears. Give me all the food on one plate. I don't want a little wee, yeah, 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 yeah. A, a wee brass tin with chips. Yeah, I don't want. Four plates, and I don't know where to go first. This isn't tapas. Just put it all in the one place. All in the one plate. Yeah, what if it is tapas, though? That's fine. I expect it to be in lots of different dishes. <laughs> See, when people serve food on slates as well, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to eat food off my roof. Yeah, yeah, I know. And chopping boards. Imagine the wee KP in the kitchen cleaning slate. Oh, my good God. Nightmare. Anyway, first world problems. Well, You're getting your food in a slate. Times a, are hard. Listen, it's a joke. That's why we invented plates. Just have it on the one plate I know what I'm dealing with and I can work my way through it. Yeah, quite don't, right. Don't give me these stupid... All the golf clubs in the country now serving their bacon rolls and slates. Are we cancelling that? Should hope so. Put it in a plate. Look, if you have chips in a wee pot, I know what you're up to. You're just uh, trying to make it look like it's nicely presented, but I'm you're giving me really half a... the amount of chips you could fit on a plate. I'm not really against that. Course course Nando's, Nando's do you're that. You're all for sure. And. <laughs> Nando's do that That's how to win an argument about catering <laughs> Well, if it's good enough for Nando's I'll tell you what, Nando's I didn't know of Nando's three years ago I'd never been in Yes, you had, you were on my stag do in 2011 that is that, that, That's right, that's the only time I'd ever been in Nando's And I remember saying, this is the weird At, at that stag do, I remember thinking I was appalled This is the weirdest place What are we doing in here? And why are we walking up to a counter And then sitting back down and having no food? Yeah. What is this? Yeah, is this an airport? It was like the worst buffet ever. You walk up, you're like, can I have that? It was very Go and strange. Go sit back down, sir, we'll bring I'll it. I'll tell you what, Nando's, I highly rate it. Well, good for you. I don't. Good for you. Good for you. Anyway, that is it from us for this week. Thank you very much for your time. Next week we'll talk about golf. <laughs> yeah, we, we might. We might. Thank you to Lee Sharp for his time. Good luck to Ghana in the World Cup. We'll be cheering you on Go from on, here, Ghana. lads. Go on. Bring it home. Bryce, thank you for your time. Pleasure. Will you still have a blue tick this time next week? Yes. Massive loser. First of December it'll go. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> laughing at the idea that you've given Elon Musk money. I know, it's you've mental. made a conscious effort. Listen, I'll have life on the edge. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Thank, well, thank you. you for your time, as Pleasure. always. And always. as I say, do get in touch. Our DMs are open. We do love hearing from you, even if it is on the way to the football brine. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye bye for now.